It's Kitchen Table Spirituality, a weekly devotional. I'm here getting real, getting hip, turning my chair around and my hats on backwards with the pastor who speaks from his heart, the pastor of Pilgrim Congregational Church in Southborough, Massachusetts, Charlie Eastman. Wow, that was really exciting. I know, I feel right? like I'm on a different podcast today. Yeah, this is... And, and in truth, that's what it's... Okay, and, and I am here with the... The master pastor, the pastor of disaster, the the truth blaster, Jonathan Malone of First Baptist Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Check hey. them out. Yeah, Sunday check. mornings. Oh, I thought I was like, check out these guns. Was... Is there anything sadder than two dads trying to sound hip? What are you talking about? <laughs> I have, I am in touch with the youth culture of today. Oh boy, here we go. With no, the, with no, the Instagramming. No, you won't. And the the mm-hmm. the, the no. my spacing, yeah. and oh yeah, the... there you go. <laughs> at least we got at least we placed ourselves correctly in time. Right, finally. right. Well, you know, I I'm I'm always hip with the deets. Mm. Yeah. When I'm I'm doing a convo with the kids. There we go. Right, that let's was my... lay that aside for a moment, and why okay. don't you tell me what's going on at First Baptist Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island? <laughs> um, things are good. We had a nice. Uh, what did we have last Sunday? Oh, Sunday was kind of a, a relaxed Sunday. The youth had a really nice outing to the Maori Conservation 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 Area. Boy, gotta be careful. Those syllables go dangerous places. Yeah, they really can. I, I I've never been to this place. It's a, a very short hike. Like there's a mile loop or something like that with some really meaningful elevation change. So be aware of that. But boy, mm. it was beautiful, and it was just nice for our youth group to get together. We haven't gotten together in a, about two or three months, so... Oh, yeah. That was a really... Now, you said a, this was a hike? Well, a walk. And you'd never done it? I know. There are... I'm aghast. I, right? A hike in Rhode Island that your feet have not trod. What I found is there are a lot of these small areas that have oh, trails yeah. that are like a mile or two. and Which I, you wouldn't ordinarily choose, I wouldn't, right? but now I'm starting to explore those as well, and... There's something nice about that. We could talk about that another time. But yeah, that was nice. And is there a special medallion you get for having trod on every one of those? No, there no, should be. Yet. We yeah, need more on, patches. Come on, Rhode Island. Yeah, seriously. All right. So good, good youth group outing. Yeah, so. yeah. So um, otherwise, uh, we are continuing with Lent. Uh, so you know, you can be really. You're not, you guys aren't taking a break this week. I, I wish we could. But we are not. So please continue to engage with Lent. We have a wonderful theme of of the masks of safety that we wear and removing those masks. But please understand it's a metaphor. Keep your Mm -hmm. masks on. Uh, But yeah, coming up, I can't think of anything really coming up in the immediate future, which which is okay. It's How, okay. Yeah. You guys are so darn busy all the time. I know, right? It's nice to Jealous kinda... and appreciative of your ministries at First Baptist oh. in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Thanks. How, how are things at, at Pilgrim Congregational? Thanks for asking. They're going fine. We had an interesting Ash Wednesday service. A number of people came. I was actually surprised at the number of people who came. We had Ash right. Packets. I Love forgot about that. We haven't chatted since Ash Wednesday. That's right. We had Ash Packets. Yeah. And uh, the service went just fine as it could on Zoom. Yep. Some people imposed ashes and mm-hmm. some did not. And I thought it was a lovely way to kick off the season. And I'd like to see it continue. And hopefully it will, whether on Zoom or live. Although, you know, we're having these conversations about how once we're back in mm-hmm. the sanctuary, everything should be streamed all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I know that's a dream of a lot of churches, but it's certainly one at Pilgrim Church. So that's our plan. We will as well. see. 
Yeah, yep. you had Ash Wednesday as well, right? We did. I had an Ash Cannon, and people just stood on the other side of the street, and I just exploded this, can- this cloud oh, beautiful. Of, of ash. None more them. ashed. Yeah. The neighbors the were thrilled. The neighbors were thrilled. No, we did a similar Close thing. Close your windows. <laughs> Wear a mask. <laughs> we mean it. <laughs> For sure. No, we also did it on, on Zoom. And it was actually, it was our first worship service on Zoom. And it was really nice. It was some nice. We'll have to compare nice notes later. I'm yeah. eager for others' processes. So Ash Wednesday happened and then Lent 1, as I call it, the first Sunday of Lent mm-hmm. occurred. And I'm in a six-week series called Covenants. And oh, yeah. I'm talking about the nature of covenant, how covenant works, and then how covenant was meant to knit us together. Mm. So we have a racial justice component to the to the material as well, and Fantastic. starting tomorrow is my six week series, where we're going to get together for a Lenten series, basically thirty minutes, one session at twelve thirty, one at seven thirty mm-hmm. every Wednesday, and you come to one or the other, and Ian will do a small worship service. We'll share prayers, and we will uh, find a resource that helps us journey through this particular aspect of covenant that okay. we're looking at each week. So sometimes a book, sometimes a movie, nothing to prepare, just come and receive and hopefully enjoy time with your fellow pilgrims. Um, Additionally, we are starting to collect for our Easter basket um, outreach program every year, so look for the email soon about um, the support that we give to a particular shelter, and I am really looking forward to that uh, as well. I love having ongoing, Mish, you know all about that at First Baptist, having these percolating opportunities to contribute, help mm. help focus our faith over time. I'm looking for the email. I haven't gotten it yet, Charlie. Oh, which you one? said, look for the email soon. Yeah, and if I'm you're looking. a member of Pilgrim Congregational oh. Church. On the other hand, Jonathan, I'll forward it to you and you can share it with others. Oh, thank you. Okay. If you're, if you're really honestly, authentically oh. asking mm. for that resource. And there's our segue. So, yeah, so um, today, it's good to hear, first, it's good to hear of all the the wonderful things happening in our churches, Um, and uh, today we're going to talk about authenticity, Mm -hmm. A-U-T-H-E-N-ticity. I don't don't know where you're going. (laughs) I was trying to spell it, but authenticity is one of those words that I just don't spell very well. Hierarchy uh-huh. is another one. For some odd reason, I have a hard time spelling hierarchy. Well, I think that's a good Baptist affliction. That's what I thought. Bureaucracy too. In fact, what, let me. Oh just, no, no, no! That one you got to know how to spell. Oh, such a pain. Let me just name all the words that I have a hard time spelling. This will be good podcasting, right? This here. reminds me of. Uh, I, I like that yours are all isses and aces, whereas oh, yeah. <laughs> at Andover Newton there was an important class called isms, oh, right. uh, that helped us face our. <laughs> Our heterosexism and our racism and all those different aspects of mm. assumed privilege that we don't we don't recognize and anyway, good good class but yeah important but not today's topic no no so authenticity is is this idea that happens a lot for you in a household where teenagers are are existent because mm. you are constantly being called out on your lack of it as a parent. And uh, basically, a teenage child mm-hmm. at every possible opportunity will gleefully point out your hypocrisies in your management of your family. 
Um, not mm. speaking personally in any way, shape, no, or form. No, no, no. But this is Dad Talk with uh, Charlie and Jonathan. So it comes up a lot, that idea of authenticity. And honestly, from my 20s into my 30s, and pretty much through my 40s, I didn't, well, maybe in my 20s I did, but I haven't really interacted with the idea of authenticity hmm. much at all. Because, again, I guess my privilege informs this as a white man of certain ages in the United States and in the 2000s, my authenticity wasn't really questioned that much. Uh, But now, lately, people have been asking more and more for your credentials. Where do you stand on everything? And what defines you? And and even poor, harried white men now have to... (laughs) Answer. I hope you're hearing the sarcasm yeah, in my right, voice. Right. We should all interact with our authenticity from time to time. And it's a constant harangue throughout mm. scripture. Over and over we get these notes of where authenticity is proven and when it's shown right. to be false. I have some thoughts. Some Please ideas, bring it. Musings, if you will. I'd um, love to hear them. First, I, I think I, I love the... Please, go ahead. The idea... <laughs> go ahead, caller. If I might. Yeah, thank you. Um, Won't you? Yeah. So I, I that idea that that our adolescent um, housemates uh, call us out. <laughs> That's generous. Yeah, isn't it? For you know, we say one thing and we do another, and hypocrisy. That authenticity is oftentimes tied with consistency. Mm-hmm. Are we yeah. consistent in what we say and what we do? And that's a yeah. challenge, especially for people of faith. Uh, especially when reading scripture, but I think beyond that too. Are we consistent in what we say we believe and in how we do it, how we live it out? Yeah. So I, I love that 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 uh, reminder from, from our teenagers. Please try to be consistent. Mm-hmm. I also was thinking, so I, I don't resonate with you in the same way with not worrying about authenticity, but I think that this comes from my own personal neuroses hmm. or demons, depending on... Oh, demons. Say more. Say more. Yeah, I know, right? So the first church I served was in Dayton, Ohio, Mm -hmm. home of the Wright Brothers, birthplace of aviation. Yes. Not the the first time I've heard you say that. I know, but this is Likely not the last. No, definitely not. Not, Good. That's important. Um, That's a part of who you are. Yeah. So it's the first church I served, and it's a downtown Baptist cathedral of sorts. So it's a a Mm -hmm. big church, and the pastor I was serving... I was working with, I was an associate pastor, um, was from an uh, older school of being a pastor. Mm-hmm. A good guy. Um, I was really... You're using very generous language again here. This is a yeah. generous morning for you. I, I'm feeling <laughs> magnanimous, if nothing oh, else. Oh, the, the sister of authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this expectation that I would go to work each day mm-hmm. wearing a button-down shirt, a tie, oh, yeah. slacks, oh, yeah. and having a dress coat. Yes. Uh, uh, and, and that was the expectation. And um, for those who knew me, that was not the norm for me. I, uh, mm-hmm. um, I come more out of a freakish part of uh, the youth subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, went to Oberlin and uh, oh, had yeah. you know, long hair, plenty of air- earrings, um, just oh, wore yeah. clothes that were falling apart or patched together. I mean, that was just, it, it, it continues you to knew, be. You knew the names of all three of the violent femmes. Yeah, and I also knew that they really weren't that violent. That's right, not at all. Yeah, not at all. So there was this challenge. I was rubbing up against these expectations of who am I supposed to be and who do I feel I really am. Hmm. Uh, and So I have a number of tattoos. 
And mm. the first tattoo came out of that wrestling of authenticity. Was uh, it of a, of a dress jacket? The first tattoo is of a unicorn wearing a dress jacket standing on top of a mushroom. There you go. So you could say, see, here, I'm, I've got a dress got jacket. A dress jacket. No, so the My first heart. tattoo I got uh, was the word logos in, in Greek. Yeah. Because yeah. if a tattoo isn't um, presumptuous or pedantic, then <laughs> it what's has the to point? Be in another language. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah. But, the, I, but for me, it was a sense of if it's not about the word, the logos, Christ, then I'm not doing it right. Mm. Uh, and, and that's a continue, uh, that, that, that's a wrestling point for me. That it continues to be um, when I think about being authentic. authentic. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as, as pastors, we are pulled in many different directions, pulled to think about administrative work, about fundraising, about, you know, dinners, sure. these kind of things. And we can make our work about those things. Yeah. And I think that's when we lose that authentic core of our call. Mm. We're no longer consistent. Got it. So that's so that tattoo. I, I'm glad it's a tattoo because I need that permanent mark to remind me of why it is I'm doing this work. Without without telling us more than you should, is it on a part of your body where you can see it? It's easily? on my uh, yeah. It's on my shoulder. Ah, so, so you I, can look. Yeah, I can just roll up my sleeve. Yep. You know, which and I usually hold it up do. To the mirror. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm usually I go for the James Dean look most of the time, anyways. So I, oh, I good. mostly just wear. Now I just wear a white. It's hard t-shirt. when you can't smoke in church, though. How do you do the authentic James Dean if you can't smoke? Um, candy cigarettes. Oh, good, good. As long as we can teach the children well, <laughs> the the James Dean way forward. It's it's the way to go. I I uh, I've I guess I I misspoke. I have I didn't really think about pastoral authority and authenticity. And um, I, I guess I have wrestled with that or, or mm. engaged with that in a way I hadn't really considered because for my 10-year pastorate at Franklin Federated Church, I did not robe mm. except for weddings and funerals. And I, I eschewed the tie and jacket and all that, all those trappings. Um, nice. I, I, moved, I moved to a place of just, I, I just wanted to be with the people the way the people were. Mm. And the people would come into my space sometimes in a button-down shirt and sometimes not. And right. I just wanted to be that with them. And uh, it was absolutely an authentic expression of how I usually present myself. But it also changed things for me. Mm. It changed things for how I was perceived. And I found over time that it actually affected, I started to be perceived in a way that I no longer was, if that makes sense. And so I've since transitioned to a different manner of interacting with folks, and it has even affected the way that I dress and and present my outward self to the world. So I would be a a horrible co-host if I didn't ask you to say more. (laughs) Could you say more about that? uh, a 50-year-old man who can only present to others in jeans and a t-shirt has certain other issues that they're atoning for. Interesting. And there yeah. becomes a time when if you want to own a mantle of authority, mm-hmm. it, it's time to start presenting like you are a part of the wider culture. Does that make sense? There are people who are yelling, B.S. This guy's... That's not true. You don't have to do that. Don't kowtow to the dominant p- 
patriarchal culture. And yes, there's truth to that too. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I don't know if you've experienced this, Jonathan, now that I have gray hairs in my head, when I walk into a room in a jacket and tie, I am treated completely differently than when I do not. And you have a choice at Mm -hmm. that point to then say, I mean, you you have to certainly honor, is this something I can authentically be a part of? Can I wear this mantle and act this way or not? And it makes me think of, I'm sidestepping here, but I have to, makes me think of the way so many of my UCC colleagues these days are appearing in clerical collars. Right, the mantle of the office. And and most often, women are wearing clerical collars, um, in my experience. Not right. as many of the men. And I've, I've had really interesting conversations with my colleagues who have been very generous with their witness and their time to talk about why the clerical collar is so important. And I think for some of them, I'm not speaking for any women. I'm just trying right. to relate what they told me in a palatable, in a, in a, um, in a clear form, authentically. Yep. Authentically. Uh, they have told me that for so long in our culture, in our society, in Western society, certainly, um, women have been treated as less than. Yep. Um, the idea of women in the pastorate was something that they had to fight for in a way that we on the male side never have. Right. Yeah. And so claiming that full authority of the office is a radical act. And it's, and it's important, and it, it carries weight, and it says something about the, uh, the agency of the individual wearing the collar and their, and their blessedness uh, yeah. in God's. So it's, it's, it's super authentic for them to wear the clerical collar, in spite of the fact that the United Church of Christ doesn't have a prescribed yeah. dress code or mode or anything. I've I've noticed the same with uh, my female colleagues in in the Baptist circles as well. God bless them. God uh, bless them. Yeah, and I know it's not the norm for most Baptists to wear a collar, but a sure. same thing. If you know, you have all these other barriers against you, yeah. and yet I've seen it in Black Baptist churches as well, where the minister yes. wears a a clerical collar, and I've even heard them referred to as father. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's that's a yeah. big jump. Yeah. Into a place where many Baptists would not have gone. Yeah, 50 years ago. That's interesting. That's another conversation. I, I think there's mm-hmm. it's part of what we're wrestling with. I mean, this call for be authentic mm-hmm. um, and, and tying that closely with consistency becomes challenging when we have different relationships with different people. Sure. I mean, the way I'm going to be authentic with my, my partner is different than the way I'm going to be authentic with my children, than yeah. with my friends and with my parishioners. It sounds different. It looks different. It, and and it's appropriate. It's it's appropriate because oh, you're people, a hypocrite, it, right? It, because I'm, but if you could hear the jokes that Charlie <laughs> and I make before we hit record, it would curl your toes. Yeah, you're not going to hear those jokes. No, those jokes are hidden from you. Just like all the good jokes are hidden from us. Because once you become a pastor, you just get knocked right, off all those right. lists. <laughs> it also wouldn't be appropriate. That's it right. wouldn't be appropriate because that's not because now we're talking about not just being authentic to ourselves but the authenticity of the relationship. Yeah. And now an authenticity authenticity to a relationship calls us to be aware of the dynamics, um, the yeah. the projections that happen, but also the responsibility we have to um, be a, a a kind of presence for others. And, yeah. and I'm sure people are still saying, "No, just be yourself." 
we are being ourselves. But and, and, and when that's, people say that, though, they have no idea what they're asking for. Oh no, they don't want. They me. have they, no they, idea. They you don't want just me out no, there. You don't. Believe me, you don't. And being authentic also means recognizing those parts of you that want to serve the, mm. the people that you serve in the best way you can. And all of me, that idea of all of me being the thing that you most need, that's not, well, you think you might need that, but that's, believe me, not what yeah, you Yeah, we want. would, and I my know first, this. yeah, I would say tone it I, down, Charlie, just tone it yeah. down. I know this consistently because you are constantly recommending to me things that you think I will enjoy and love. Because of what I've communicated to you from the pulpit or from worship or whatever. And, right. and frankly, m- most of those movies and those books, and not that I don't want to hear your recommendations here. Now I've killed that. Oh, there of, it is. I just sent you the box set of The Violent Femmes. Yeah. Did you not? Well, that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, sure. but that's a great case in point. Um, I don't share all of my tastes and preferences in art and culture because... Frankly, they're not all relevant to what we do together as a church. Right. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But on the other hand, don't, don't feel any obligation to assume what you think I will like. Uh, and I'll, I promise not to do the same for you either. I love being oh, surprised that's... by the music and, and film mm. and books and things that, that people in my congregation love. Although they say, they'll say things like, I don't know if it's really appropriate. And I, it probably I, I guess, isn't. Well... It's, it's not necessarily useful in our church lives together, but on the other hand, as a whole person, there are aspects that we don't, we don't bring to the rock show either. You know, we don't, mm. we don't get up at the rock show and stand on a soapbox and preach the gospel, although there were certainly some Christians who feel convicted that's what we should be doing. Sure, right. But we all recognize I, yeah. authentically that there are times and places for the different parts of our personalities right. in our lives. I, I do want to say... For folks that are listening, please stop recommending Waltzes by Johann Strauss. Thank you. I just don't like them. I that don't one like time, Strauss waltz. That one waltzes, time I played yeah. a waltz, you mistakenly thought it was a Strauss, and now... It, and, yeah, the Blue Danube can only go so far, and I'm done. I'm done. That's right. But beyond that, there is a core of who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is a consistency. So one of the things I wrestle with is... I, I do believe firmly, and I, I think you would share this, you should not lie to children. Agreed. So when, you know, when traumatic things happen, when Sandy Hook happened, when 9-11 happened, yeah. it was this question, how do you talk to your children? And I felt, I need to tell them what happened. But the you way... You talk to them. You yeah, actually talk to, talk to them. Yeah. Right. But the way you tell them needs to be appropriate for their age. That's right. And so the core of me is like, you shouldn't, and I really do believe you shouldn't lie Anyways, it just makes things harder. Right. It just, yeah, don't don't tell them that some magical animal right. is going to come and bring them treats on, on a particular day in a wicker basket. You know, don't, you know, don't Charlie, tell them that in, in some... our household, we never had Santa Claus visit. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, never. hang on, hang on a second. Spoiler alert. Anybody that's listening to this with children, ha, I, ha, ha. I didn't, right. <laughs> or near well, children. Santa Claus just never came to visit our house. Okay. That's the way. How did your kids feel about that? They, you know what? They suffered and it made them stronger. Okay. No, they just didn't know it. We gave, they got gifts from, but all the gifts, the gifts they got were from mom and dad. Okay. Interesting. Wow. I can't wait to hear the the debrief uh, from the psychologist. I know, right? Yeah. Years of. 
So I think part of when we wrestle with authenticity is, and not just us as pastors, but I think everyone needs to wrestle with this, is a sense of who are we? You yes. know, what are our core beliefs? What are our core values? Those and the, how do we represent them to the world? Right. Those are the places where we are consistent. But a mature individual is one who can be fluid in their relationships, which drives mm-hmm. the adolescents nuts because they want to see consistency in every relationship. They're Thank in, you. You finally brought consistency home for me in this yeah, conversation. I was yeah, waiting we're for that. Not, yeah, and they're still developing. They're still growing. I don't mean this to be demeaning. I think I, I, it's good to have that voice saying, please don't be hypocritical because then it says, like, here's how I'm not or here how I might be. And so I'm going to try to sure. do better. Um, but yeah. there is this plasticity in our, in, in our, our whole neurological makeup. How is Indeed. that? Pretty good, right? There, there is a neuroplasticity. Yeah, that, that calls us to be flexible in our mm-hmm. relationships. Look and, at you and, getting all sciencey. I know. I, have, I, I am a doctor. You, <laughs> yes, yes, you are. There's none to dispute it. That's it. So I will you get... You are a non-medical doctor. I... Oh. <laughs> it's not less than. It's just different. That's right. It's just different. Thank you. Um, can I bring a little scripture in here? Sorry, I've been oh, champing it, at the bit with all my scripture quotes. Oh, yeah. I that's right. You're so good conversation. at that. I, you know, um, I, I don't do scripture. There are many... No, you're fine. I mean, there are many conversations in scripture about authenticity. Paul mm. goes on and on about the authenticity of mm-hmm. his witness throughout the epistles. Proverbs demands authenticity. But, but sadly, one of the most powerful stories about authenticity in scripture is also one of the most horrific. And it's from Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Ooh. But a na- mm. man named Ananias and his mm-hmm. wife Sapphira sold a piece of property And with his wife's knowledge, so she's in on it, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and bought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Mm -hmm. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Mm. Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, 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 last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. We don't preach that enough, do we? (laughs) Indeed. But come on. I mean, that that story is an obvious, to, to me, allegory about how important it is to support the beloved community. Right. Um, And... And on the other hand, it speaks about that that part, when, whenever I've preached this passage, and I have a few times, I'm always focusing on bringing your whole self mm. to God, letting mm-hmm. God see all of you, because yeah. that's how we find repentance and redemption. Um, don't yeah. just wear the jacket and tie in front of God and, and assume that you're hiding the, the broken parts. Yeah, but I th- I think this has also created a culture within Christianity where authenticity has been over the years consistently tried and tested and oh, called yeah. out, and boy, Christians never seem to get tired of questioning each other's authenticity, whether it's over a different worship style Mm -hmm. or whether it's over a different set of priorities, thinking of pietistic versus justice Christianity. Um, The the question of who's most authentically Christian, and I think I I just 
I don't know. Have, have you seen this in the world, Jonathan? Are you? No, I live in a, a bubble. Oh, so, great. No, I have. And even more, I'll tell you, you know who the most authentic churchgoers are? The person that shows up looking haggard and tired. Yeah. Um, the person who, when you ask how you're doing, says, not well. Yeah. I'm struggling. Um, yep. The person who clearly hasn't had time to make up their face or comb their hair, but just says, I've got to be here because life is just too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person who asks those questions that just nag at you and don't go away, who, who pushes back at your past, at your sermon... These are the authentic Christians, not the ones who bring this facade of perfection. Mm -hmm. Because God sees it anyways, but the ones who say, have mercy on me, a sinner, or help me, God, I need it, or is just, is honest in church. You know, and and I think if I could just go a little bit further on a bit of a tirade. Please do. One of the things that bugs me about church life, new new podcast, one of the things that bugs me about church life... (laughs) (laughs) No, that there would no. only be one episode. I'm just sure. wait. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, didn't expect that. But one of the things is, you know, here it, it, church has this potential to be a place where our relationships are different from everywhere else. I mean, we are called to emulate the relationality of the Trinity to have this indwelling with each other that calls each other to this perfection in yes, their personhood. Yes, and indeed. yet, what do we do? We judge and criticize and hide. Preach, brother. Ah, oh, it drives me nuts that, yeah. you know, and, and that when, and I get this, when people, I, I've heard this before with people like, you know, just lose a loved one or having a hard time and they say, I just can't go to church right now. Ugh. I'm like, that, yeah. that's where you should be because we want to love on you. We the wanna... physician did not come for those who are well, but for those who yeah. are sick. Those who are sick. And it's not on those who sick don't feel worry, comfortable going. Sick with yeah. sadness, sick with everything. Yeah. That's, so um, there's an authenticity in church relationships that I don't think we're getting. It happens. Let, let, let me let leverage me a little it, John it chapter 8 on that and that oh, you nice. will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Oh, I thought that you was from a movie. You can't find freedom in uh, I, I get it. okay, uh, but you can't can't find freedom in in constant prevarication and and in constant like yeah it's it's yeah. just not there and sometimes you have to let it all hang out and just say life is hard I feel terrible mm. and I'm grateful to be here with you all and boy what a time in our life with this COVID time is when to say that mm-hmm. oh yeah yep and and that's what a super relevant hyper relevant. Yeah. I'm tired, you're tired, we are all tired, and that's okay. Yep. All right, so the, I'm, I'm drinking now. I've got this tea that is a stress relief tea. Oh, good. It has licorice in it and some other like calming things. I'm going to take a sip of that. So Do remind, you have any other scripture? Let's remind the people. <laughs> I have tons, but I'm going to set it aside for now. I, I just want to mm-hmm. remind the people that, that your church is most authentically your church when the pastor steps up to the microphone and she or he moves their mouths and you don't hear anything. When, mm-hmm. when the screen uh, mm-hmm. attached to the wall falls down in a dusty heap, mm-hmm. when yeah. the person who's supposed to read scripture doesn't show up until 10.05 for a 10 o'clock service, when you walk into the church and you notice that the heat's not on, yeah. when you're yeah. in the midst of adversity and everything doesn't look perfect, you are authentically God's home and the church. Remember, God lived in the wilderness 40 years yeah. On the road, without this beautiful white clabbered building, without any stained glass, without anything at all, mm. and God made it, and the people oh, made it, 
and nice. you're going to make it too. And, and yep. just, just bring it all and be it all. It's, it's important. Who would have thought authenticity would get us so riled? Oh man, we're just getting, just getting cooking. But yeah. we do need to, we do need to move to we a time of prayer. Okay, some deep calming breaths. Mm. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Up for five, out for seven. Now, you know what I can't do? Box breathing. It makes my heart race. You breathe in on a four count very slowly. Mm -hmm. Then you hold for a four count. Oh, yeah. Then you breathe out on a four count. And then you hold for a four count. My understanding is it's to slow down your breathing. One, two, three, four. I do it, yeah. But every time I do it, my heart races. Oh, I do it for a six count. Ooh. But I, but I work up to it. I do my breathing. See, this is it. I'm not going hiking means. with you. I'm, I'm not your equal <laughs> in breathing. I'm not, not going to do it. I made up my mind. All right. So All right. I've got a prayer uh, yeah. in the form of a poem from Emily Dickinson. Fantastic. And so much of Emily Dickinson's work really is a paean, a poem, uh, mm. an ode to God and, yeah. and aspects of God. Uh, Emily Dickinson, the Belle of Amherst, born 1830, died 1886. If you have a chance to go to the Dickinson household in Amherst, do it. It's a fantastic I've, tour and glimpse into the life of this vital I've poet. I've never been. How right. far of a drive is that from Southboro, Massachusetts? Uh, Southboro to Amherst, I forget, maybe an hour and three quarters? Oh, that's a day trip for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. And Amherst oh, is yeah. such a gorgeous town in the... Donuts at the donut shop. <gasps> donuts. Art- All right, we better pray so donuts. Can... Oh, man, those are so good. Okay, obviously. All right. When things get a little more settled, when more of us have needles stuck in our arms with vaccine in it. Yeah. So I'll begin, no, no. and then Jonathan will pray, yep. and then we'll end with, the, with Emily Dickinson. Sounds good. All right, God. We're not kids anymore. We have... We have moved beyond, and and I'm not using the word evolved, God, because we've changed. We've become Mm. something else, and maybe we can reckon with our authenticity a little better, and maybe in other ways we we don't. Help us, God, to seek Mm. not only our truth, but the truth of all those around us, those who do not look or sound like us, those who have other witnesses to help us hone and refine our own authenticity. God, help us to remember to just to show up, regardless mm. of where we're at. God, some of us may feel like a child just looking for a hug. Mm. Some of us may feel like a child just feeling like they need to defend themselves against everyone. Mm. Some of us carry such hurts and wounds that they cannot trust. Some of us carry just a love they want to share but don't know how. The core of who we are, God can be a blessing if we allow you in. Help us to invite you into that core of who you are and then to share that self, that redeemed self, as authentically as possible with everyone we meet. From Emily Dickinson, on a columnar self, how ample to rely in tumult or extremity, how good the certainty that lever cannot pry, and wedge cannot divide, conviction that granite base, though none be on our side. Suffice us for a crowd, our self, and rectitude, and that assembly not far off from furthest spirit, God. Amen. 
1999. It's an important poem to see in, in print as well. So yeah. make sure you come to the website and, and check it out. Yeah, do that and sit with that. Her poems, I am terrified of reading her poems out loud. You did it really well. I love how you read well, I it. Practiced. <laughs> I practiced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't take I mean, her lightly. There's not a lot she of is, words, but yeah. She's a powerful, powerful human, and I'm grateful for her witness, and I'm sorry for all her troubles. Yeah. She did have a... Mm. There was a tortured aspect to her life that I cannot envy, right. but what a gift. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, and what a gift all of you who are listening are to us. Indeed. Thank you. We, we are genuinely so grateful big, for yeah. your time and your consistency in participating in this ministry. Yeah. A ministry you know, that started a... just, hey, well, for the few weeks that <laughs> this pandemic uh, yeah. goes, let's just run a little <laughs> podcast and see if we can make time for it. Yeah, and it's it's still going. Amazing. I forgot what episode number this is. 47, I think? 40-something, that's for sure. It's almost as old as I am. Almost as... It's older now. It's almost older than I am. See? See? Wow. Everybody well, forgets go. that I can babysit you. <laughs> I just... Well, my parents have threatened, and I've always said, No, no, no! <laughs> Not him! Anybody but him. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, it is wonderful to see you and good to talk to everybody. Yeah, be well, everyone. Indeed. Bye. Kitchen Table Spirituality is a part of the 12 Enough Network. Your hosts were Charlie Eastman, the pastor of the Pilgrim Congregational Church in Southboro, Massachusetts, and Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Send your comments, questions, thoughts to 12enough at gmail.com. Find the show notes at 12enough.com and like us on iTunes and wherever you hear your podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. The, the James Dean way forward. It would curl your toes. <laughs>